Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Get started this morning. Very honored, amen, to be here. What a privilege. This is a, a dream, hallelujah, come true uh, for me to be able to preach behind this pulpit. I want to tell you, amen, what an honor. Uh, walked in here yesterday just to get a feel of the church, and I told uh, Pastor Ortiz, I said, I feel like I've entered into the holies of holies, man. <laughs> hallelujah. God is a good God. Uh, I'm also very honored, amen, to be able to represent the San Antonio congregation, amen, I evangelize um, out of there. Richard Ruby uh, is my pastor, amen, uh, and uh, I also pioneered uh, or took over a church there in Victoria, Texas, three and a half years. We were able to leave a very good standing church with a little over 40 people, disciples at work, and I want to tell you, amen, God uh, is a wonderful God, amen. I want to minister this week. I want to challenge, hallelujah, uh, you know what, everyone to bring some visitors, after this sermon, hopefully you're going to be you're going to be hyped to do that. But I want to I want to challenge you, Amen, to bring out those, Amen, that we've written off as too hard, those that uh, maybe you've forgotten about, Amen, uh, because uh, you've invited them too many times and they've continued to say no. I, I I share this everywhere. My mom invited me to church over 200 times before I finally said yes. And so I want to challenge you this week. I want to minister out of Matthew 27. Beginning in verse 46, I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled Dead Man Walking. And uh, I want to believe God, amen, for visitors uh, and the church this morning. Um, it says, in about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elijah. Straightway one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. Um, the rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, um, the veil of the temple was rent in two um, from top to bottom. The earth did quake and the rocks rent and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many let's pray father we come before you lord this morning lord we are desperate god we cry out for the souls lord of mankind god this morning we pray lord for powerful conversions to take place Lord, in this gathering, God, this morning we believe you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost, Lord, that breaks the chains of God of bondage and sin. God, anointing, God, uh, God, anoint this altar, God. I pray, God, that it would be filled at the end of this service, God. Uh, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said, um, Amen. Did man walk in? How many believe, amen, that we're living in the last days? How many understand, amen, that right now is a very crucial crucial time that we're living in um, and uh, you know one of the things that is being preached all around the world or being uh, you know what uh, uh, said over the pulpits right now is uh, or one of the concerns um, is about homosexuality um, it's about drugs and this methamphetamine and this crystal ice um, and uh, you know what uh, it's almost um, as if people are saying that this is a big threat to the gospel but I want to declare to you amen this morning that there is a threat to the gospel um or at least a bigger threat, uh, but it has nothing to do with drugs. Uh, it has nothing to do with homosexuality. There's a, a threat this morning, amen, to the gospel. It's called religion. Religious, beloved, religious people um, are a bigger threat, amen, to the gospel of Jesus Christ in this day and age that we're living in uh, than anything else. How many know um, that in the day that we live in, most people that walk into our churches um, come in wearing suits, ties, carrying Bibles, um, and are ready uh, to tithe. Now, I don't know about you, but the last time that I checked, amen, sinners didn't carry Bibles. They didn't, they didn't wear suits, amen. It took me a year and a half after my salvation to put on my first tie. I had a lot of, a lot of Mexican pride inside of me. And so for me to put on a tie, man, was one of the biggest struggles that I ever had. Uh, but beloved, amen, uh, most of our sinners today um, are coming in uh, already saved, um, or from other churches. Um, and I want to tell you, God's looking for conversions. God's looking for some radical, some demoniacs, amen, to come in um, and get radically touched by the gospel. Uh, amen. Those that would be able to come into a service uh, under the presence of God uh, and walk out and say, you know what? I walked in this way, uh, but now I am different. You know what? I was blind, uh, but now I can see. Uh, and I want to tell you, amen, if we're not careful, we can settle or just anybody to fill our seats. We need conversions. I want to challenge you, amen, because I believe that people in God uh, are sick and tired of religious folks. And I believe, amen, that we're living in a day and age, amen, where if we witness and if we invite people to church, you know, it's never been more open than now, amen, to be able to witness and bring people to church. Uh, 
and to see them, amen, get radically converted. I want to tell you, it's one of the most beautiful things in the world. Uh, but, amen, if we're not careful, amen, we can just settle um, for just anything to come in. Uh, hallelujah. Our seats to be filled uh, and not strive, uh, you know what, for the conversion, the power of God to be able to heal uh, and to touch, um, amen, some folks. How many know in this city uh, that there is uh, a lot of people in need? That our neighbors, amen, many times, uh, are drug addicts. Many times, you know what, they're, uh, you know what, they're messed up, they're bound, their children are lost, uh, they have no answers, uh, and I want to tell you, amen, the answer of, of, uh, 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 for these people are inside the church of Jesus Christ, amen. I want to, I want to, you know what, share a little story with you, um, because I believe there's a difference in religion or a religious experience and a conversion. You know, there's an old story about this, uh, this, this guy, you know, this little kid, he had a, he had a, a, a cat. And this cat, you know what, it ended up having some kittens. And so, you know what, this young boy, he goes to a Baptist church and he calls this pastor. He says, pastor, you're not going to guess what happened. Uh, he says, uh, listen, a miracle just took place in our church today. And uh, the pastor says, yeah, what happened? He says, well, um, he says, my cat just had kittens. He says, and they're Baptist kittens. And the pastor says, uh, son, have you lost your mind? He says, no, no, for real. These are, they're Baptist kittens. And so this preacher hangs up and he's always, you know what, uh, fighting over the phone with the Pentecostal preacher about who's got greater miracles. So he calls this Pentecostal preacher and he says, listen, a miracle just took place in my church. Uh, he says, Baptist kittens were just born uh, in my church. And the Pentecostal preacher says, man, you done flipped your mind. The guy says, no, 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 you have to come and see these kittens with me. So they go to the church, uh, they walk in, and sure enough, there's the cat, there's the boy, and there's the kittens. Um, and the Baptist preacher says, all right, son, uh, tell this Pentecostal preacher what kind of kittens those are. Young boy, he's kind of, he's got his head down, kind of embarrassed. He says, well, pastor, he says, they're, um, they're Pentecostal kittens. He says, what? Three days ago, you told me they were Baptist kittens. He says, three days ago when they were born, they were blind, but now they can see. <laughs> How many know there's a difference? How many know conversions, beloved, are not a thing of the past, that Jesus Christ can still save and touch the lost? This is why, amen, on my flyer, I chose Mark 2, 17. It says, they that are whole have no need of a physician. But they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I put that on my flyer because people will see twice dead, beloved. And it draws all kinds of people out of the woodworks. They want to know if I saw the light. Uh, they want to know if I talked to angels. Uh, they begin to tell me experiences uh, about how they sat with Jesus. Uh, and uh, they, they were whining and dining with Jesus. And I always tell them the same thing. Uh, okay, now that you're back on earth, what are you going to do for God? Okay, so you had an experience, and you, and you whined and you dined with Jesus, and you smelled the flower and the trees of many fruits, uh, but now that you're back on earth, what are you going to do for God? Now, I was in Florida about three months ago, and uh, we're having a, a, a lot of visitors come through, and on Tuesday night, we get this young kid, about 15-year-old, comes in with dreadlocks, he walks in with about about eight or nine other teenagers with him. They all sat down. And in the middle of song service, I'm standing in the back. This young man gets up. He goes to me and he says, sir, he says, I don't know what it is about this place, but I feel the need to confess something. 
And I said, okay, you know, this is the middle of song service, I guess. He says, uh, listen, you know those kids that came in with me? And I said, yes. He says, they believe I'm Jesus. Okay. He says, uh, for the past three months, I've been taking them around, sitting with them under trees. I've been teaching them the gospels, the parables. He says, for the past three months, they've been following me around. They truly, honestly believe that I'm Jesus. This kid was serious. He says, I, I need to go take them out and tell them that I'm not Jesus. And I said, listen, why don't you, why don't we have service? Give them a chance to enter the altar and then we'll tell them you're not Jesus. So he agrees and they sit down and, uh, you know, I preach a simple message and at the end of the service, I pull the altar and sure enough, all eight of these young kids lifted their hands, uh, even Jesus. He lifted his hand. I said, praise God, man. They all came up. We prayed with them. And I told that church, I said, you know that this is revival when Jesus gets saved, man. I felt the need to pray for this young man. I called him up. The moment we lay hands on him, he begins to manifest. He begins to speak like a grown man. He's shaking. We can mean the pastor can barely hold him. And all of a sudden, his eyes just open and he begins to look around. Like he just woke up from a dream. We decided to ask this young man some questions. Uh, and he said to us, he says, listen, I was brought up in church. My mom and dad are backslidden Pentecostal preachers. He says, I remember my dad used to allow all kinds of weird things into our church. I remember people vomiting, rolling on the ground barking. He said one time a lady was roaring like a lion and the entire church joined her. Thank God. Amen for our fellowship. Can you say amen? God spoke to me right there and told me what you just cast out of this young man was a religious demon. The next day, this young man comes to church. He cut his hair. Couldn't even, we couldn't even recognize him. He was wearing a shirt and a tie. And he walks in with 22 other teenagers. They all get saved. The next day, he walks in with an older couple, walks towards me and says, I want you to meet my mom and dad. That night, his mom and dad got saved. Uh, that was about four months ago. I just went back to that church two weeks ago, and they're all still sitting in service. That's resurrection power. Can you say amen? That's the power, beloved, of Jesus Christ. In our scripture, uh, people were risen from the graves. Graves were open. I don't know if you caught that. I don't know if that shocks you. Amen. Uh, but I know if I were to see my uncle who just died come out of a grave uh, and knock on my door and tell me about Jesus Christ, that would freak me out. Graves were opened. People that were dead, that were counted lost uh, by the power and the resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ. The Bible says he yielded the ghost. Uh, and after his resurrection, graves were opened. How many know, amen, uh, that you don't have to be six feet under to be dead? Come on. You don't have to be six feet under to be dead. There are people walking the malls. Go knocking door to door, beloved, and you meet people. Oh, they're breathing, they're walking, uh, but inside they're dead. 
They have, they have no vision for life. They have no purpose for life. Uh, you look at young teenagers, amen, they're all pierced and tattooed uh, all over the place. You show me uh, a young man that's got piercings and tattoos. I'll show you someone uh, who hates themselves, who has no purpose in life. That's self-hatred. The age of 13, beloved, and they want to take their lives. They feel that they've lived life to the fullest. They're walking, they're breathing, uh, but they're dead. How many know you can be in church and be dead? Or you believed God for powerful things in your life at one time, but today you sit here and it's become routine maybe for your life. Uh, maybe it's just, uh, you know what, where you once wanted to see people touched by the gospel of Jesus. Now you just walk in uh, and you do your part and you walk out. Uh, but beloved, I want to tell you, amen, God doesn't want us to be dead this morning. He wants us to believe Him for powerful conversions. Beloved, do you still believe in conversions? That Jesus Christ can still touch the untouchable. Because I want to tell you this morning, amen, you're looking at someone uh, who was declared dead twice by the age of 19. You know, I was 15 when I put my arm through a window. I was on acid. I was drunk. And I chased this guy um, into his, uh, he ran inside of his house and he puts his face on the glass. In other words, mocking me. Uh, so I punched him through the glass. When I pulled up, uh, my arm out of that glass, it cut my arm in half, bleeding to death. Put me in, a hot, in, a, in an ambulance and they're driving me. They put this plastic tube on me trying to get the rest of my blood to my heart and my brain. And I remember as I'm going down in that ambulance, I can hear the paramedics saying, we're losing them, we're losing them. And I could hear that machine in the back. Doot, doot. And all of a sudden, I just hear it go. I wake up three days later in a hospital room. And I want to tell you, I was a very angry 15-year-old. I remember waking up and screaming out to God, uh, why didn't you let me die? Why did you bring me back to this place? I was upset. I'm screaming my head off. Uh, I'm, I'm doing just about anything I can. Amen. I'm, I got, uh, I got needles all over me and I am so upset. I'm screaming at God and saying, why didn't you let me die? Why didn't you leave me dead? At that time, amen. I remember my mom, who was not saved at the time, walks in, uh, with the pastor's wife. Begins to witness to me. I remember being so upset, man, screaming at her, telling her, you know what? God is not real. Telling her to leave my room. Upset because I was brought back to this life. And I was 19 when I got stabbed half an inch away from my heart, through my chest and out my back by my best friend over a $20 bag of cocaine. He stabs me, pulls a knife out, um, and he stabs me in my stomach, pulls a knife out again. Uh, we begin to wrestle for this knife. Uh, before I know it, uh, they have me inside of a car. They're racing me to the hospital, uh, and these guys were so wasted. It's about 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, they're driving by about 15, 20 miles an hour, and they just open the back door and push me out in the parking lot, uh, and they take off. By the time they found me and rushed me inside, they had declared me dead. 
my second DOA by the age of 19. You know what's interesting? Is that when I was 15 and that pastor's wife was inside my room, she was trying to witness to me. And I'm getting upset and I pulled all these needles off of me, these patches, and I began to make my way toward her towards her and I said listen either you get out or I'm going to kill you and she's she's beginning to freak out my mom is freaking out they're walking towards the door she's still a brave little uh, lady but let me just uh, let me get out of here I'm screaming at her she opens the door and they run out uh, and I'm about to sit down back on my bed uh, and all of a sudden the door opens again and it's this little lady again she opens the door and she says I just want to tell you one thing before I leave I said shut up she says, I'm going to tell you why the devil wants that arm. Because one day it's going to lay hands on the sick for God. She closed the door. <laughs> Little did she know. <laughs> Beloved, when Jesus Christ wants to touch you and use your life, I want to tell you there is no grave that can hold you down. His resurrection power is alive. God had an appointment with me. You know the story of Jesus Christ, beloved, is a story of rejection. This is, this is the generation that we live in. They're rejected, trampled. The Bible says we trampled, we spit on him, we took advantage of him, we crucified him. That's the story of many today in this place. We all feel rejected from time to time, taken advantage of. Uh, and uh, you know what I want to tell you, man, many people live in regret today. You know, it was my own mother that looked me straight in the face. She said, you're the biggest mistake of my life. She said, I regret ever having you. She said, I wish somebody would kill you when you walk out of this door. You know, you know how it feels, amen, to have your own mother look you straight in the eyes? And tell you that, I remember walking out of her house that day. And if anything good was left inside of me, it died that day. I was a dead man walking. And everything in me, beloved, wanted to change, only I didn't know how. That is until I met Jesus. You know, I still remember my salvation. June 13, 1995. I remember I was in a room. Hadn't slept for three days. I started partying out on a Thursday night. Bought myself a, an ounce of cocaine, a brand new pack of syringes, filled up two ice chests full of beer, and I locked myself down in a room. And for three days, I'm partying out. I began on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Saturday night, I'm down to the last of my drugs, uh, and I shot up the most that, I've ever, that I had ever shot up before in my life. I remember falling down on my knees. This drug coming out of my mouth, my nose, my ears popping. And I'm trying to make my way to the shower. And as I'm crawling to the shower, I get inside the shower and I turn on the cold water. And for the first time, beloved, in my life, at the age of 25, I cried out to Jesus. See, my mom got saved three years before me. Powerfully saved. She went inside of a Pentecostal church and she never came out the same. Here was a mother that rejected me and told me I was the biggest mistake of her life that was trying to love me now, care for me. And she used to invite me to church. 
time after time after time. And here I am now, three years down the road. I'm in this shower and for the first time in my life, I shout out and I cry out to God. I said, God, if you're real, you can change me the way you changed my mom. Lord, change me. Turned off the water. It's one o'clock in the morning. Opened the shower door and the telephone rings. It's my mom. I haven't spoken to her in over a month. It's one o'clock in the morning. She says, son, I have no idea why I'm calling you right now. She says, but would you come to church with me tomorrow? And I freaked out, man. I looked at the phone. Out of shock, I said, yes. She says, no, son, listen, I'll take you to go buy clothes. I'll take you. What did you say? I said, yes, mom, I'll go. Walked out that morning at 8 o'clock in the morning. I had a shaved head. I had a billy goat beard that came down to here that I issued gel. I had a muscle shirt. My entire body's covered with tattoos. I walk out with a quart of beer, a bag of marijuana in my pocket. Got in her truck. I said, let's go to church. She just drove to church, get to the church parking lot. I said, Mom, I'm going to finish this quart of beer. I'm going to smoke me a joint. I'll be inside in a little bit. She didn't say a single thing. She came inside, finished my court, smoked the joint, ready for church, made my way in. Now, you got to understand, I was brought up in the west side of San Antonio. Nothing but Mexicans. Brought up in jail where everybody sticks to their own kind. I walk in that church and every single person is black. <laughs> I walk in, man, and I look, and I'm like, where in the world did she bring me? And as I'm thinking, the usher grabs my hand to sit me down, and I push him towards the wall, slam him on the wall. He says, hey, you can sit wherever you want, man. My eyes are about this big, bloodshot red. I haven't slept in three days. And I sat down next to my mom, and I was so mad. I said, where did you bring me? She said, son, please behave yourself. I said, if anybody comes to me, I'm going to pop them. I'm sitting towards the back. Song service starts. And in the middle of song service, uh, the song service leader makes eye contact with me. And I looked to my mom. I said, they better not come bug me. Sure enough, gets off the platform, walks to me. And the strangest thing happened when he, oh, they were walking to me was I began to feel a weird feeling, real shaky. My eyes were getting watery. Grabs my hand, says, son, today is your day. The Lord has need of you. Grab my hand. And I started walking down the aisle, and I want to tell you, for 14 years, I hadn't shed a tear. Lost my father when I was 11, and I was weeping. My mom said that I was weeping so loud that I sounded like a wailing woman. She said, you were shaking, son. I don't remember any of it. You were shaking your knees, your hands. They brought you up to the front, um, and uh, I'm there in the front, um, and they, you know, they tell me, do you want to get saved? Uh, this is the middle song service. Preaching hasn't even started. <laughs> Lifted my hands. Halfway through this prayer, I bust out in tongues. I mean, just going off in tongues. I thought demons were coming out of me. 
All I could remember was the exorcist and movies like that. And I'm sure demons were coming out of me, but I was filled, I was getting filled with the, and the entire church, man, started jumping and shot. They thought the devil got saved that day. June 13, 1995, I walked out of that place, started doing heroin when I was 11, 14 years of being a heroin addict. I didn't need a program. I didn't need rehab. I didn't need drugs to take me off of drugs. All I needed was the hand of the master to touch me that day. Never did I go back to a drug. Stayed away from girls and learned the quickest way to become a preacher. I met with God that morning. And I want to tell you, amen, beloved, that's not a thing of the past. That's the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to raise people from the dead. It's a conversion. It's an appointed time when God meets with man and God wins. Can you say amen? See, that's what we strive for. I was there at Pastor Warner's last week and he was showing a, a video of the 19, the late 60s and the 70s and the Jesus Christ movement and all these hippies uh, getting radically saved and thousands of people uh, coming to hear the gospel and getting saved. Beloved, that's still the same God we serve. He can still do that today. That's not a thing of the past. That's the resurrection power. Of Jesus Christ. God has called us to repentance, not religion. Acts 3.19, repent ye therefore and be converted uh, that your sin may be blotted out uh, when times of refreshing shall come from the pressure, uh, from the presence of the Lord. Repent and be converted means to turn away from your sin. We know, beloved, that repent means to do no more. Uh, can you say, I used to be that way, uh, but now I'm not? You know what repentance also means? means to have a change of mind and a change of heart. That it's not enough just to come and ask God to forgive you. We know He does that. He's so gracious. But it's also getting up from here and leaving those doors and saying, you know what, my sin is wrong. And if I'm going to continue to serve God, I'm going to have to judge sin in my life. It means I have a change of mind and a change of heart. This is why people can be saved for a while uh, or be in ministry. Uh, and the moment they get hurt uh, or the moment that they get upset, they leave. And what's the first thing they do? Uh, they go find neon lights. They get drunk and wasted. Why? Why do they go by people that were in ministry? Why do they go by the biggest TV they can find after they, they leave the church? I'll tell you why. Because they were never converted. They never had a change of mind or a change of heart. They never really thought that sin was wrong. All they ever did was repented. I want to tell you, beloved, amen. God is looking for conversions. One last thing. You know what's another good sign, amen, of being converted? It's when you can take your eyes off of yourself and place them on others. A good sign of being converted is now... That even though you have problems and even though you have worries, uh, you put that aside uh, and you begin to minister to people that aren't saved. You begin to minister to people that don't know the gospel. Or you begin to love people that don't love you back. How many know it's easy to love people that love you? It's easy to love people that remember your, your birthday, isn't it? How about people that send you Christmas gifts? Oh, you love them, don't you? What about people that mock you? What about people that want to see you dead? What about people that stab you in the back? Can you love them? 
Can you love your enemies the way that Jesus Christ said to love your enemies? Because I want to tell you, amen, that's a, that's a, a powerful sign uh, of being converted. You know, when I was door director there in the San Antonio church, I landed a job hanging telephone cable. And what I had to do was I had to climb these poles with these little bitty hooks and work on telephone cable. You know, my first day on this job, we're going down the freeway. It's me. There's a guy named Corey in the middle. And then the guy in charge is Rick Reels. He's on the, he's driving. I begin to, you know what, just witness to these guys and they're rolling a joint. They said, hey man, you know what, forget church. You want to smoke a joint? I said, no man. I said, I'm called to preach. I said, I don't do that stuff anymore. And he looks at me and says, you're, you go to church? And I said, yeah. He says, man, you look like the devil, bro. You know, I didn't have, a, I didn't have a suit. And I said, well, I don't care what I look like, man. I love God, man. And uh, he says, well, you look pretty rowdy. And I begin to witness to him. There's my open door. Well, you know what, man? I used to, I used to be rowdy. You know what? I used to do this. I used to do that. And in the middle of that, uh, the driver, Rick Reels, turns over and he says, shut up. He says, I don't want to hear anything about Jesus Christ. So I looked over to him and I said, well, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to him. So we get to the job site. Rick Reels is a six foot two, big old Mexican. Solid. This guy's married, has three little girls, but he also likes to go out with men. This guy gets off the truck, comes over to my side and opens my door. And I said, well, praise God. Finally, some respect here, man. <laughs> Moment I step foot on the ground, man. Boom. He pops me right here in the side. I fall on my knees. <sighs> Tears are coming out of my eyes. Part of it was because it hurt. <laughs> the other part was because everything in me wants to get up. And as I'm about to get up, this young man, Corey, that I've been witnessing to is looking at me like, okay, what's the Christian going to do? So I looked at this guy and I said, you know what, man, that's not what I'm about anymore. And I walked away. And in this guy's mind, I became his girlfriend. And as I'm walking away, he throws me a kiss. He says, masota. Means like baby doll. From that day on, I became this guy's girlfriend. The very next day, I'm up on a pole, start climbing up. I'm about six feet in the air. And this guy comes from behind and he grabs me. The hair in back of my neck just... I started my, waking my way, making my way down the pole. I'm reaching for my utility knife. And as I turn around, there comes Corey around the corner. Put my knife back. I said, bro... Don't ever touch me like that again. Walked away and he throws me another kiss. Next morning, I'm in my pastor's office. I said, Pastor Ruby, this is what happened. This guy already hit me. He's already grabbed me, throws me kisses. He tells me I'm going to be his girlfriend. He says, Roman, whatever you do, you can't hit this guy. I'm like, yo. I went in there so he can tell me that I could hit him. I walked out of my pastor's office more vexed than I was when I walked in. He says, the devil knows your past. He's trying to ruin your testimony. You're about to get sent out. Walked out of that office that day. Now, this is, this is going on in a period of two to three months now. We go to work on a Thursday. 
I'm up on the pole, 30 feet in the air. This guy goes up with a hydraulic bucket, metal cage bucket. And I'm working on this pole, I'm 30 feet in the air, and all of a sudden, bam, he crushes me to the pole with this bucket. He's pressing the lever towards me, and he sticks his tongue in my ear, begins to wiggle it. He says, tell your Jesus to save you now. I'm screaming for my life. The guy in the bottom is screaming at him, saying, Corey, let, uh, Rick, let him go, Rick, you're going to kill him. They took me to the hospital that night. I had a broken collarbone, and all my ribs on this side were fractured. Good thing is I went to church that night. They prayed for me, and I got instantly healed. <laughs> I, go to, I go to work the next day. We're having this meeting that we have every Friday, and my boss says from now on, Rick Reels is going out of town. It's going to be Roman and Corey permanently. I want to tell you, I jumped for joy that day. That whole weekend was the best weekend. Listen, me and my wife fasted for an entire week for this guy to get fired, to die. <laughs> Anything, man. You know, he did get diarrhea for a full week. Hey, we gave God the glory, man. I come back after that weekend, and there's Rick again. My boss holds another meeting. He says, we had a change of plan. From now on, it's going to be Rick and Roman. We're sending Corey out of town. I got up from that meeting, and I grabbed a dagger about that big. I went to the restroom. I said, God, knelt down on my knees. I said, God, I can't take it no more. If this guy touches me, he throws me a kiss, anything today, I'm going to kill him. I mean, I'm weeping in this restroom. I'm, I'm serious. I get up and I put the dagger in my boot. We get in the truck and we're on our way to work. This guy begins to talk to me. He says, you're not going to believe what I did this weekend, Roman. You know, I don't care, you know. He says, I committed adultery on my wife. I said, well, you know what, bro, that's too bad. Now, this guy's got pictures of his three little girls all over the truck. He loves his little girl. He says, nah, it's not too bad. She'll never find out. I said, well, she might not ever find out, bro, but you just cursed your marriage, cursed your children, cursed your finances. You just cursed everything. And in the middle of that, he turns around, screams at me. What do you mean I cursed my children? And I'm, I'm already upset. I'm looking for a reason to fight at this point. I look at him. I said, yeah, that's right. You cursed your children, man. I said, unless you get saved. This man slams on the brakes the middle of the freeway, moves the truck to the side. I reach over and I grab the dagger. I just told him his children were cursed. I grab the dagger and I'm coming around to stick this guy's throat. And he turns to me and he's weeping. He says, Roman, will you pray with me? He says, I couldn't live with myself if anything happened to my daughters because of me, man. He says, I want, I want to get saved. I'm like, What? What? He says, will you pray with me, please? And right there on the side of the freeway, I prayed with him. And he accepted Jesus Christ in his heart. That was almost six years ago. Rick Reels today is a pastor. <laughs> Pastors of church in Divine Texas. 
That's the power of God. Can you say amen? How fast we write people off, don't we? God's trying to reach them. He said, the reason I hated you so much was because you made $10 an hour. You drove a beat-up 1972 Chevy pickup with no window. <laughs> he says, I make $38 an hour. Got the biggest house in Divine. And I was miserable. He says, every day you were singing. Every day you were telling people about God. He says, and for that reason, I wanted to kill you. See, but God got a hold of his heart. That's the resurrection power of Jesus. Let me ask you a question as I bring this to a close. If not for the cross this morning, where would you be? See, I know, I know, I know you're dressed nice. You're in ties now. You've got a good job now. Nice house. Your family looks nice and crisp. Thank God, amen, for the power of God that changed lives. But if not for the cross, where would you be this morning? I close with this last story. There was a professional diver that liked to dive. Every time he would dive, he'd come and he'd touch the water. This man takes notice of that and he goes up to him and he says, Sir, why do you always tap the water before you dive? He says, well, let me tell you, man. He says, uh, I'm a professional diver. He says, and every night, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, I like to come out and dive in the dark. He says, one night, I came out. I climbed the 18-foot diving board, pitch dark, and I made my form to take a dive. He says, and the, the light of the moon made a shadow of a cross on the wall with my form. He says, for the first time in my life, I acknowledged the cross. I came down off the diving board. I knelt down next to the swimming pool. And for the first time, I invited Jesus Christ in my heart. I was 23. He says, when I got up to finish my dive, I noticed there was no water in the pool. He said, if not for the cross, where would I be? Let's bow our heads this morning. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.